Hey, what's up everybody? This is Chris. Sorry, I don't have a mic in front of me right now, so it might sound a little crackly. Uh, all my equipment is in the car and my kids are asleep and I don't want to wake them up by going outside. Um, I just wanted to mention that this recording was done several months ago and makes absolutely no mention whatsoever of COVID. I think we did it Ooh, it might have still been winter. So you won't hear us talking about COVID. You won't hear us talking about whether school is going to come back in session. You won't hear us talking about the movement for equality that has reached across the globe over the last few months. I wanted to initially, when I brought my mom and sister together, I wanted to talk about some of the systemic problems of discrimination within the school system here in Wisconsin where we live and my sister has some first-hand accounts because she's white and has a family of uh, both white kids and kids of color both and she had some stories to share from her kids time in public school and I wanted to give her a chance to share her experiences. My mom she uh, basically has spent decades working in schools in various roles, trying to improve upon the system from within the system. So she has a well of knowledge that I wanted her to be there too. So it's, it gives us a lot to think about. It's a lot to consider. This is not to say that uh, anything bad about teachers. I think the past homeschooling virtual learning experience has shown us all that teachers are doing an amazing job. Their jobs are hard. And they're doing it well. I think this is just a problem of um, bias and systemic issues. So um, it's not to bash teachers. It's to ask how can we do better. with my mom and my sister but they're not just my mom and my sister they are experts in the field of education and I use the word expert loosely but <laughs> confidently <laughs> accurately can you say hello Lori so they know hello this is Lori I'm this? her sister mm-hmm. and I am the mom I'm Anne, the mom can you tell me what else you are well, what I've, qualifies you as a loose... I was trying to figure out how long I've been involved in education, and I think that it is 55 years. And I think that comes from... Uh, so that's expert level. We'll yeah, say. an elementary teacher, special ed teacher, special ed coordinator, principal, director of pupil services, consultant, uh, K, primarily in K through 8, University professor in the Department of Education working with teachers who wanted to get a master's degree or working with graduates with their bachelors who hadn't yet learned teaching skills and were going on for a master's in teaching. Um, I think that's it. Behavioral intervention did that for a while in schools. Hmm. Social work did that for a while in school. Counseling did that for a while in school. And now I'm consulting. 
And uh, this is Lori again. I would say my expertise lies less as an employee of school systems and more as a uh, well, I've studied learning extensively, and I have had kids who've gone through the school systems, uh, some where the school system meets their needs very well, and some where it does not. Um, so I uh, I did study education. I have a degree, master's in educational psychology with a focus on cognitive science. So um, the brain, how it works, how people learn and problem solve is of interest of mine. Um, and I've worked as a parent educator for the last uh, 15 years, 20 years, uh, working primarily with adoptive families, but also with uh, parents whose children have um, major behavioral problems, especially those uh, caused by early trauma. So trauma-informed parenting, trauma-informed interventions. And uh, I've used those skills both professionally uh, and personally for uh, helping my kids navigate the school system. So again, I'm not not as an employee of schools, but more as, as a helping my kids and other parents with their kids to try to navigate how to help the schools meet their kids' needs. An informed parent. Yes. With higher education that with supports. With certification. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're here to talk about education mostly because... Something struck me. Well, first of all, I talked to you, Lori, the other day, and we never even got really to the topic of education. Mm -mm. And I feel like this is just going to be the beginning of talking about it because we all have a lot of ideas and we all have a lot to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> and after 55 years yeah. working in the educational system and seeing how it's changed over the years, I'm sure oh, yeah. you could fill a hundred plus hours mm -hmm. of what you've seen over the years I could yes I could it's exciting to talk about it it's exciting to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> so okay in talking with some friends the other day someone brought up George W. Bush and the phrasing he used at one point was the soft bigotry of low expectations mm. and the person that I was talking to said George Bush caught heat for using that phrase. Hmm. But I thought, yeah, wow, there is a, a soft powerful. bigotry of yeah. low expectations. And it made me think of your experiences. At least one in particular comes to mind with yes. your kids. Because you have two children of color, mm -hmm. they were in a public school district for seven years, eight years. And... I wanted to talk to you about what it looks like when there is bigotry going on, but it's so subtle sometimes and other yeah. times not so subtle. And how to, it's sort of like sometimes when, sometimes when you're not being treated equally, if it's not blatant, it feels like it's almost under the radar and you don't even know what you're processing until mm -hmm. maybe even weeks later. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm really angry about that. What, why am I angry? What happened that I'm angry that something happened? What was it? Mm -hmm. And then you sort of trace back and realize, Oh, uh, I wasn't being treated as an equal in this situation. And, 
And yet it's so common and pervasive that I didn't even recognize that I wasn't being treated as an equal. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Can you can you make can you give um, the statement again? Because I think it needs to be a bumper sticker. The soft bigotry of low expectations. Right. I think that's that was jo- amazing. That was George W. Bush, the imbecile. That's a, that's a good one. That's that is really very a good insightful. One. Yeah. And I the want one you to good thing he said. I'm remember. not giving him credit. I'm sure someone that's wrote it for him. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. Would you share a few stories? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and I think it is what you were um, just what you were saying about how sometimes it's so subtle and you don't realize till afterwards that, hey, that wasn't maybe sometimes it's very obvious and sometimes it's a little more subtle. And one challenge, particularly when it's around race, is that the uh, often people in the majority don't want to believe that racism is a part of life. And so they think that people um, in the minority, for whatever reason, who are experiencing prejudice, they think, oh, well, they're just being sensitive. They're being overly sensitive. It's not really true. It's just, um, so it is hard to pinpoint both for the individual to say, was that really, was it really, you know, was I really being treated poorly there? And was it because of my race? Was it because of my gender? Was it because of, there's, it's hard to piece out where it comes from. Um, but can you also just give a background of what the color dynamics of your family are? I will give a, an overview of my family, my family rainbow. Um, yes, your rainbow family. I, my husband and I are both white. Uh, my oldest is biologically mine. Um, my next daughter was adopted from Guatemala, so she is Latina, but she uh, looks biracial. So she looks, she presents to the world as she presents. Uh, to her peers and to teachers often as black rather than as Latina, um, which is, uh, which has just caused different, uh, her to have different experiences as she's, uh, grown up. She's now 19. Why, what does that mean? She presents as it means that her facial features and her, her hair is very, very curly, Mm -hmm. but, uh, very not, not thick curly, like typical African-American, but more of a loose curly. Textured, though. Textured. Mm-hmm. And it uh, just her, like, her nose is a little bit flatter. If you looked from, uh, and her skin tone is darker, rather, a little bit dark for a Latina, especially mm. in the summertime when she gets tanned. So people who are, people, I find that people who are familiar or have, who've lived in South America or Central America generally would say, oh, yeah, she totally looks Latina because mm-hmm. she... Uh, she definitely has a look of a Latina, but in the U.S., which is so many different mixes of people, and in Wisconsin, where mm-hmm. the min- sometimes the minority, well, either you're black or maybe you might be Hmong or in- Indian, like from in the country India. But mm-hmm. she doesn't. Uh, she for, at first glance, people see oh, curly hair, darker skin. She's black or biracial. Um, and so she's been called the N-word. She's been, uh, the interactions that she has, uh, w- typically more, more parallel that, that a black girl would experience than a Hispanic girl would experience. Mom is looking Well, I don't know shocked. if this is a time for you to share <laughs> that it isn't just peers, but the letter right. that you received in the mail. Right. The well, most- this is what I was going to, I was going to uh, get She's in- just giving background. I'm giving background. Okay. Family. So- so she's from Guatemala. My next son also is from Guatemala, but he definitely looks Latino. He looks 
um, more Mayan. He's definitely, people would look at him and say, oh yeah, you're Latino. They think he speaks Spanish. And he's like, yep, no, I don't. <laughs> so, uh, and then my youngest also then is biologically mine. So he's white. And I think the, ex- my experience with, um, uh, with Briseida, I can't, I'm gonna, with Brie, my experience with Brie is that she, even when she was in preschool, there were things where uh, I found, people would come up and want to touch her hair. They would want to touch her. And I would have to say, oh, we don't let people touch her hair. Like, and I'm realizing, <laughs> like, that's not something that people normally have to say as parents. Well, actually, people who, if the child is African-American or black or of a different race, often it's like the boundaries, the normal boundaries that keep people away to say, oh, you don't touch other people's children. Those aren't there for children of other races. So people, random people on the street would come up and want to touch her hair. It's, yeah, it was just culturally, there's a difference there that I noticed early on in people's not respecting personal boundaries. Did you ever discover why that is? And if it's just in the United States or if it... I don't know whether it's... Like I've heard of white blondes going to... Various places around the world, and people want to touch their hair. It could be, yeah. Also, it could be just different. I don't um, know. Minority, different. Yeah, I'm not sure where the. It's just. It's interesting. It was an interesting. So interesting. Phenomenon. Yes, like get your uh, hands off my child. Yeah, get your hand. <laughs> yes, a polite way of get your hands off my child. Yeah. Yes. Um, and did uh, did your son who did not have some of the same characteristics. Did not have the same thing. He did not have the same. No. And again, he, though... His hair wasn't we could, curly. His hair wasn't curly. Mm-hmm. And we totally... you could We could have a whole other topic about gender and race and that's, perceptions yeah, okay. of beauty right, and percept... Right. So that's a whole... That's another... Yeah. That, could that be a falls whole, into the category of another variable that you have to think about. A whole another yeah. topic. Yeah. Um, and I remember when she started kindergarten, um, within the first month, I, uh, I guess it was one of the first... I think with each child, I had some little pricks about the public education system that rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but for Briseida, the thing that happened was I got a letter home saying she had been assessed for uh, her English language skills, and she f- was found to qualify for <laughs> ESL services or Eng- <laughs> English in kindergarten. In kindergarten. Okay. And she had been home with us since age four months, so she never spoke (laughs) Spanish. Um, Perhaps you might argue there, for some kids, might be a slight delay in language if if the first four months of life they were hearing Spanish rather than hearing English. But she was a verbal, precociously verbal, articulate little five-year-old girl. In no circumstance would you look at her and say she was language delayed or needed help with language at all. And... And I said, first of all, why were you assessing my child without letting me know? Right. Because I bet you didn't assess my older child, who was white. And right. And secondly, how does she qualify for services? Because she shouldn't. English and is her first language. English is her first and, and it's only language. Pretty good. <laughs> so I actually went into the school and talked with the administration, and I said. If you need more funding, if you need more numbers so you can get more kids, more teachers in the classroom, because, you know, having one extra language, English language learner would give you an extra aid in the classroom. Sure. Count her as needing ESL services. Um, She does not. And don't assess her like that again. Like I was. Did they have any answers for you about why are they sorting students based on color uh, alone? 
Um, <laughs> to determine? I never got a clear answer. The administration at the school tried to push me up to the district saying, oh, well, they just got a list from the district. Maybe it was based on where she was born. But I said every form that I filled out when they say, what's your native language? English. Like, yeah, you do have that on the forms. I have mm-hmm. that on the forms. And so I don't know why they would have been going back somehow at a district level to pull and say, test all kids born outside the country. It just their answers didn't make sense. And I did not pursue it to the district level. Mm-hmm. I I knew that I had ruffled enough feathers at the school level they were very apologetic. It was very, I mean, they were mortified. Embarrassed. I'm sure they, they were, were very embarrassed. They were embarrassed, and yet nobody caught As it. As they should have been. Absolutely. Appropriately so. Right. And they knew, this is also, my older daughter, Abby, had come through this school two years prior. So she was at the school. They knew our family. They knew they knew that we spoke English at home. It's not like she was a stranger to the system. They, she had been seen and exactly. recognized for two years as Abby's as little Abby's sister. sister right? That's bizarre then. there It almost sounds like there must have been an outside assessor coming into the classroom because it couldn't have been the teacher because she knew you or he knew you. Right. It right. had to have been someone... I, sent by the district who looked at the class and yep. said, Boy, you look like anyone you might not. of color. Right. That's what it felt like. Uh, so, yeah. So that was kindergarten. Yeah. Yikes. Um, already. Then, I was thinking I'll, numbers. I'm I was horrified already. They were looking for how many numbers they needed to have in order to have a professional in the building. Right. And that was what I. And federal funding. Right. In that was what I said. I, that's depending I, on how much, how many kids you have needing a service. How much money you get reimbursed from federal funds? So would they have said if they have done if they had gone about it and talking to the family and saying we're going to do an assessment on your child? Uh, it would be great if they tested low for English because then we can get more funding. I mean, if they were <laughs> yeah. upfront about it, is that how the conversation uh, would have gone? I don't think it would go that way. But, and I uh, don't know if you really can you test children who. If she had been born in the U.S., and again, she was she came home at four months old, so yeah. she came home as an infant. Mm-hmm. But if she'd been born in the U.S., are you would you be able to say, oh, your child is brown, we're going to test her for English language services? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, uh, anyway, so yes, it started early. My frustration with the school system started early. And there were some things later than that in middle school, in elementary school, that I, in retrospect, I wonder whether any of it was... Uh, Influenced by race, but uh, for example, in fifth grade, which was the last year of elementary school, uh, I knew the teacher. The teacher loved Brisada. She loved. She just was like, "Oh, she's so sweet. She's so cute." And I'm like, "Oh, yes, she totally is." <laughs> and uh, the teacher, actually, this was. Uh, she had one teacher for her regular classes and had this other teacher for math. And again, this other teacher had had. Uh, this other teacher was Gabe's teacher, so she knew our family, she knew us, and she had Brisada for math, and she would, I would see her in the hallway, and she'd be like, oh, Brisada's doing great, it's so fun to have her in class, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. I, she, she, when she was little, she had a good aptitude for numbers, so I wasn't surprised that she would be doing good in math, and then the report cards come home, and it's all, like, below expectations, below huh. expectations, and I was confused, and I was some of the grading that they were using. It wasn't A B C D. It was a different scale. So I'm like, maybe I'm misunderstanding the scale. Maybe because it's in the winter, they're not meeting expectations because it's not spring yet. Like they had all kinds of weird grading stuff. So, but I went into the teacher to talk, and I said I'm a little confused about not meeting expectations. She's like, well, she's not at grade level. 
Oh. And I said, what do you mean? Oh, well, her math group, she's in the fourth grade math group. She's not in the fifth grade math group. And so she's doing really, really well in the fourth grade math group. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what? not really, really good. Like you, you didn't know this, though. I did not know this. I did not know that they were putting her at a year behind in the math group. And if I had, I would have. And you had had and, up until that point almost three parent conferences about her performance. Right. I had. I. It. It was out of the blue, right. and the yeah. idea that that the verbal was, "Oh, yay! Look, she's doing so great," and I'm like, "No, that's not okay. She should be at fifth grade level." And yeah. it. And I knew her capacity was for fifth grade level, so mm-hmm. there was an issue there if she wasn't doing. If she wasn't performing in the way that I knew she could, there was an issue there. But it was by the end of the school year that I even knew about it because the yeah. teacher hadn't told me and that I, they weren't communicating with me about what yeah. what she was doing at all. Because right. if they're classifying things according to grade four, grade five, you need to tell the parents. Right. Did you okay. have the same experience with your older white child of not great communication? Um, or was it one of those moments where you're like, is this happening because she's a person of color or is this happening for another reason? At that point, I didn't link it into color. Mm-hmm. I more think at the time I thought that the teacher was a bit flaky. Um, uh-huh. And I did know that the teacher preferred girls to boys. So uh, she did not particularly uh, treat the boys like Gabe was in her class and she uh-huh. um was harsher on the boys but really really loved the girls so I thought it was more a teacher issue than a than a race issue it's hard because each of my kids uh is so different in abilities and in inclination for school yeah um it's almost like I I I almost can't compare my experience from one child to the next Mm -hmm. because um they each learn in such different ways and have such different needs that uh, my oldest daughter was one who if you told her jump through the hoop and go do a dance, she would say, how high do I need to jump through the hoop and what kind of dance should I do? And she, I think, probably also would have said, Mom, I'm in a lower she math would, group right. than she, she the would have, grade level and this really bothers me. Or yes. she would have presented would you with have it. She would have presented me with it, yes. And Briseida, it wasn't, it wasn't important to her to tell me. So you didn't identify it as, oh, this is discrimination in a way. Not for that. It whether it it may or may not have been, I did not at the time identify it as discrimination. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder how they were, how knowing what I knew about her math skills up until, and fourth and fifth grade tends to be an age where girls, girls often can do good at math up till about that point. And sometimes, whether it's because of social issues, sometimes at that point, girls start falling off the radar for mm math skills Mm -hmm. it's Uh, because they get their periods and all their brains drain (laughs) out with their blood every month hysterical they're hysterical hysteria it kicks uh, in when the period comes so yeah yeah so (laughs) so she it's not so the the issues again whole nother topic issues with girls and math and math education (laughs) and science save it and science save it for the next one um so it in that sense it it may not it may not be race-based, but it was just for her an interest, like, oh, that's interesting. We have a low-achieving student, a student who's not achieving up to expectations per the district's guidelines, 
And yet the teachers are like, oh, yay, she's doing so great. Yeah. Which, and but, and, you and know, the lack of communication is just weird. And like, the lack of communication. I it, don't know yeah, how. It pushes buttons for me that I can feel my stomach starting to go around and think. Um, the reality of trying to assess at the beginning of a school year a group of kids and how they're doing. And each system provides learning experiences for those kids in a very different way. Mm-hmm. But it, to me, is absolutely not okay that when you do a shifting of assessment, and sometimes it's the beginning of a new concept, and they may do an assessment for everybody in the group and say, okay, Chrissy gets it. Lori needs a little bit more extra practice, so we're going to regroup by that. And then four weeks later, a new concept is being taught. We reassess. Chrissy's challenged on this one, and Lori's not, so we reassess. But to not inform a parent that this is what is happening with your child in the learning environment in which I am orchestrating, meaning the teacher, to me is just not okay. You know, we can go into the labeling of the groups and the mislabeling of the groups, but that up front, um, that is so troubling to me that that happens. Could there have, Could there have been... A, an email that went out that landed in your junk folder early in the year that said, uh, we're grouping her in blah, blah, blah. Or I don't think so. At that point, I was very up on communications with the schools. Yeah. And, and I yeah. was in the school. I was in the school volunteering all the time. All the time. Yeah, so I saw, was, and the fact that in, that all that verbally, all I got was, she's doing great. I'm so excited to yeah, have her in my group. It was a system glitch. Yeah. A big glitch. I mean, it was so, a system malpractice is what it was. I have, I want to hear more mm-hmm. because I feel like there are more. It got worse the next year. It got yeah. worse. But it starts to plant seeds for me of, uh, for, for kids who, want to feel good about themselves and want to feel like they're achieving all that they can achieve, but somehow end up thinking that they're not quite as good or mm-hmm. their self-esteem is sliding lower and lower. And I'm just wondering what the link is between being grouped in lower achievement categories and then being told you're doing amazing mm-hmm. what that you would think positive feedback would be encouraging and wonderful but when it's with that caveat of like you're doing so amazing for two for grades you. lower than you actually your peers are like what that does it feels like lying to me well i don't know because Encouragement is good. If you weren't, if the labels weren't based on grade, if the labels were based just on concepts, for example, I think you'd be fine. Mm -hmm. Because you could be, it's kind of like saying, you're doing great, you're in algebra, you're doing great. And there's a group Mm -hmm. over there doing calculus, and you can be doing great in algebra, it doesn't mean you're less than the people who are doing calculus, Mm because you're at a different, you're at a different stage learning different things. It's when you tie it into, well, you're 10 years old, and so you you should be learning this. Like a 12, yeah. But you're learning the the eight-year-old, you're with the eight-year-old group, and that's where the judgment piece comes in, because I don't think schools need to uh, label it the way they do. But I also know uh, from te- talking to teachers where, like the shift years years ago, decades ago, probably when we were kids, 
to instead of having level one, level two, we're going to have the red group and the green group <laughs> uh-huh. or the, dolph- yeah, the dolphins <laughs> and the seals. And the kids totally know. They know. That the dolphins yeah. are the really yeah. good readers and the seals are the yeah. not so good readers. So I I don't know that you can completely take away the peer judgments or the peer categorizations that go on because kids are very aware that so-and-so is leaving the classroom to go join the older classroom for math. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, I suspect that if you could really get the teachers to not believe the categorizations, Mm -hmm. that would be the first step to having the kids be like, well, it doesn't matter. Uh And I think this is, this is totally a tangent from what I wanted to talk about today, but that's why I really like multi-age classrooms right, in yeah. general to span even two grades, fourth yep. and fifth or mm-hmm. second yeah. and third, Five, if, six, not, seven, eight. if not more, six, seven, because eight. then there's less of, oh, yeah. you're behind, oh, you're right. ahead. Right. It's just, you are where you are, where were you in the beginning of the year, and where right. are you now? And sometimes right. you're with the three. Measuring against yourself. Yeah. Yes. Right. And that's where the... That's where it's possible that the situation in the school was fine because I think Brisada did get good kudos from this teacher. Yeah. She loved the teacher. Yes. Um, and teachers are wonderful. Oh, yeah. No, I, I will say that all throughout all of my experience with my kids in public schools, the teachers want the best for the kids. Yes. With a glaring exception or two. Like, really, there are apart from some people who should not be working with children. Yes. And it's almost uh, always like blatantly obvious. Right. No, who's burnt out and needs to take a break. Right. Uh, Everyone but, else is doing great. And they and they and they struggle with the system also. Yeah. Yes, so it's do. not that they've created the system. No. They're doing their best within yeah, a we sh- really We should have said hard... that at the beginning. Oh yeah, yes. absolutely. Um and I think because in this case it the real the thing that triggered my discomfort was the assessment system yeah because if the assessment system hadn't said oh below expectations I wouldn't have even raised the question and so if she was if they were really taking it as a learner-centered approach and a learner-centered assessment the assessment might have been she's doing really well she's on a slightly slower trajectory than maybe some other kids are Mm -hmm. we can have a discussion about that but she's making progress she's participating in group from the beginning to now she's doing great because that's what the teacher was saying Mm -hmm. but when the when the system then at a higher level at a different level says well on paper that's going to be recorded as her progress and she needs summer school right right and she does yes and so the it's the because yeah they recommended summer school and by that point she was so frustrated with I did not put her in summer school because it was uh Emotionally, not the best thing for her, but it was the disconnect between how the school was assessing her progress. Uh, I would much rather get an explanation of what she was learning, of was she progressing, um, because that's the important piece, and that can always that will be continued in the next grade. It's not like oh, I failed fifth grade, never gonna learn anything more. <laughs> Guess that's it for me. Yeah. So can you share the what happened the next year? Yeah, so the next year she moved to middle school, uh, which in... Most- and it was, you tried to get into this middle school, right? It was... My older daughter had gone through this middle... Like a lottery? It's, it's like a lottery. So it was a, it was a smaller middle school as opposed to the big one mm-hmm. that our, our neighborhood one was very large. And I thought that um, for my older daughter, we'd put her name into the lottery because I thought she would... Uh, 
benefit from the small environment, which she totally did. She breezed through, loved it, had great experiences. Um, she did so well at that school that I thought it would also be good for Perseida to be in that smaller environment. And she was showing, at that point, she was experiencing some uh, emotional ups and downs. Uh, but again, a smaller environment where teachers could know her, I thought would be the best, uh, the best situation to provide her the support all around that she needed. And um, she, again, was more fo- focused on social things than on schoolwork, which did not surprise me. That's her. And, and middle school. I mean, it's, it's middle a school. Lot of, and that's her lot. in middle school. It's yeah. so, yeah. And a lot goes on in middle school, too, where you just. Yeah. And, and I did not expect the same degree of interaction with teachers because it's middle school. Um, but they, again, they knew my family. I'd volunteered in classrooms. I knew all the teachers because it was a small school and my older daughter had gone through the school. So they knew our family. They knew Brisada as Abby's little sister. And in the spring, middle winter, spring, we get a letter home from the school, from the district saying, uh, your child has uh, won an African-American Achievement Award. Hooray! <laughs> Yay! And for how well she's done. For how well she's done. And I, I looked at the letter and I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense on a number of levels because she's doing really bad. Like, she's <laughs> she's not handing in homework. She's She's writing random answers in the math homework because she knows the teacher doesn't read the answers. He just yeah. checks to see that you've handed something in. Mm. So at home, I see her, like, just <laughs> filling in blanks quickly as doing her homework. And I said, "That's what, what are you doing? That's not doing your homework. She's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't care. Mm. And I'm like, you need to do the math problem again and (laughs) the fact that it was she did the same thing in Spanish class so it wasn't math because she doesn't like math it was no the teachers don't care I'm gonna Mm -hmm. do the least effort possible and get my check mark Mm -hmm. and at the and I said you can't he of course the teachers care the homework is there for a reason and of course they're gonna look at the homework and going into the first parent teacher night where the teachers are explaining how they do their work, the teacher was like, yeah, but no, yeah, I don't read the homework. I just see if they hand it in and they get a check mark. Mm. And so I had to go home and apologize to her. I'm like, you know what? You're, you were right. He, they don't care whether you do the answers. <laughs> but you know what? Mom cares and dad cares. So mm-hmm. we're still going to actually do the homework to hand it in. Mm-hmm. So I had had some uh, disappointments, some pricks from the way the teaching was done at the school that was not meeting her needs with respect to being a, lear- a learner. But also her, her grades were Ds. I, I, sometimes she might almost fail a class, but then bring it up to a D. Sometimes a C. Maybe she got a B in gym class or something. Like yeah. Basically not, not a stellar student. And having fights about handing in homework, or she'd do homework and not hand it in. Just not, not an okay, uh, academically focused mm-hmm. way to be. And so when the letter came home saying, she's won an achievement award, I called a school and said, I talked to the social worker who had sponsored, talked first to the principal who said, oh, well, the social worker's in charge of that. And this was a social worker where Brisada was in her office twice a week, mm. at least, for emotional support, for mm-hmm. drama that was happening socially. For So this social worker knew her mm-hmm. and knew me. I had been in to talk to the social worker, knew she was adopted, well, should have known adopted from Guatemala. We don't hide that fact. Right. Um, so, and it's probably on all your paperwork. And it's and, on all the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Born, Remember, back to kindergarten, born in Guatemala. Right. right? So let's test her for ESL because mm-hmm. she's born in Guatemala. Uh, and so I said, there's two problems. I have two issues here. First, uh, 
she's not black. So if this <laughs> is an award for black kids, she, if it's an award for kids of color, brown kids, that's fine. <laughs> but she's not Great. black. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, it's pretty much just for black kids. And I said, wow. Okay. And she's not achieving. So African-American Achievement Award, you missed on both counts. And yeah. he said, well, compared to the other black kids, other black kids, uh, she's achieving really well. Oh, my God. Which was really sad to hear. Which was yeah, that awfully was just sad really, to hear. Really and I sad. said, there are so many things wrong so in many this. Thi- like, how do you even, so, you probably, did you, were you like, I have no words I, right now? Basically. And yeah. he was, and I said, yeah. where did, like, where did you get the idea that she was black? And, he, well, teachers had to nominate. So teachers, so teachers who knew my family and should have known her by seven months into the school year, thought she was black, uh, nominated her for this achievement award, even though she was not achieving. getting D's-ish. And it went through the system, approved by the social worker, approved by the principal. This is on. insane. And no, we're talking I, about a small school here. This, and this is a small school. This a is 100, school. 120 kids, 40 kids per and your grade. your other kid just went through getting A's. Yes. Like my white, year, my white child, who's year. a rule follower, went through no problem getting and 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 so I, I showed the letter to Brisada. I said, you know what? I got good news and bad news. <laughs> I said, the good news is the teachers nominated you for an award. The bad news is it doesn't really apply for you and you're not achieving. So, you know, but I didn't I couldn't hide it from her in case somebody at the school was mentioned she, it. Was and- she insulted in terms of the cultural mistake that they made it is not her heritage it is not her heritage she is from guatemala she She doesn't you guys have i mean there are (laughs) t-shirts that say we have that you've been to these cultural camps there are guatemalan zip purses and bags we have guatemala scattered throughout our house yes Yes, we do the culture camps every summer yes um at that age so that was age 12 11 or 12 um she recognized that people thought she was black. I was going to say she that knew, had started to come up already for her. Right. So she mm-hmm. knew that people, kids that she'd known since kindergarten who mm-hmm. just knew her for who she was and didn't have an uh, like a label assigned to her as uh, black or brown or whatever because they just knew her from when they were little. Um, those kids knew her. But kids who met her fresh yeah. would view her as black or biracial. And she, she saw she she saw that. And she was then um, socially in school, most of her friends were either black, biracial, some Latinas in there also, but it was uh, the teachers would label it, oh, there's the group of kids of color, hmm. kind of more troublemakers than not. Hmm. And, um, and kids, many kids in Madison, uh, race in the city is very confounded with it's very aligned with socioeconomic status yeah so when you have a group of kids mainly black most likely they're going to be also mainly lower income uh, that's not the case in some other cities but in, in madison. madison it's very easy for the system to uh for the system or individuals to make assumptions about somebody if they're experiencing difficulty say because they're homeless and don't have any food and are really struggling to get by mm-hmm. that may cause kids to have certain behaviors because boy they're starving in the morning and they don't have resources and good luck doing homework because dad's arrested like just the, the issues social issues that come from poverty 
and being lower on that socioeconomic range Mm -hmm. influence kids' behavior. But then peers say, they look at the behavior and they say, oh, those are the black kids. They look at the color of the skin. They look at the color and then it's associated with race rather than with Well, and the problem for me is that so much is being missed. Just in this little story, Mm -hmm. they're missing her heritage, Mm -hmm. her potential for achievement, Mm -hmm. her adopted family, that identity, which they should have already been familiar with. Right. And for kids that, because she's not the only one Mm -mm. who I'm sure is in this situation or was in that situation, and maybe other kids don't have parents who would talk to them about the experience, because after all that, how would you come out of that feeling like you're being seen Uh, at all all by by anyone? She was not by anyone. Well, and, and on top of that, there were, and she was, that was just one that was that was the the example well one example systemically of mm-hmm. issues that i had with this with that school um she just was and at the very end of this so it was a very very rocky year for many in many respects and at the very end of the year when the yearbooks came out and brseda was uh, had had it with the school i was going to transfer her to a new school i there were many many ways in which this was not meeting her needs but when the uh, yearbook came out uh, there was no picture of her in the yearbook oh no and I was like what she she and the administration says oh well it's because she only got into the school like late in the summer so I think that was like day one day the day before school started it's again it's a lottery system and so initially we thought she was going to be going to the big neighborhood school and she, the day before school started, got the call, oh, no, you can actually come. Mm-hmm. So it was maybe within a week of school starting. Um, well, the administration says, oh, because it was that week before school starting, her, you did the online enrollment for the other school, and her picture was taken for an ID for the other school. Ah. So the other school has her in their yearbook. Mm. And I said, great. Yeah, that totally makes sense, because in this <laughs> class, in this school of 100 kids, you can't. And a yearbook team of students with a teacher advisor, you would just say, oh, we're just not going to have pictures of the kids who came in the last week week of the summer. And that was so symbolic of how... They were. It just. They it were, was symbolic of the whole year. She didn't exist. She, she didn't exist. They she were trying to erase her out of existence they were, at that school. They were erasing her out of existence. I think we had a burn. I think we had a like a ritual burning of the yearbook that year because yeah. it was. Yeah. She was so right and burn hurt. Right and burn. She was so hurt by that, and I was so pissed off by that. And that I was, would. I can't. I mean, <laughs> I just can't. I'm just so glad that she had your had you guys as a resource to help her navigate through what that must have felt like. And Mm. all I can think about is the kids that don't have that. And then to think I'm being identified, I am being judged completely by the color of my skin. Yep. Primarily and exclusively. And I can do nothing to change it. So why bother even trying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I, I don't need to, I, I have similar similarly disappointing stories from Gabe for his sixth grade year that year that same school same lay, school lay it on us we can take and it. I don't, well it's just uh, so I'm reliving it yeah so uh Gabe the so 
Briseida attended sixth grade at this school, and I then pulled her out to a private school because her needs her needs were not being met by this school. And uh, so I found a place that would we whole another different discussion, different school, different needs being met. So she was she was not going to be returning to that school. Um, Gabe, however, good for you. Yeah. Well, and then when Gabe then was starting sixth grade that following year. And so I had to decide, do I send him? And he did get into this small school again. So I say, do I send him to this small school where we just had the craziest rocky year with Briseida, but my older daughter went through fine. I now know the social workers on first name basis. They have my home <laughs> phone number because I, I, you know, I'd had intensive relationships with the teachers there. Or do I send them to this huge school that at that point they were, they were getting behavior problems in both High school, in both middle schools at that point, mm-hmm. but neither one felt like a great option for him. And I thought at least the small school um, is familiar. I'm familiar with the systems. Presumably his needs would be less significant than hers had been emotionally. Yeah. And so he started and uh, he's a real, he's an awesome kid, uh, kind of quiet, uh, nervous in situations, but he won't come across as nervous. He'll just come across as withdrawn. Even the, in kindergarten, teachers would be like, oh, we don't really know him because he's so quiet. He would just be quiet in the back of the room. So he had needs, but they would be not seen because you have somebody else flipping over the trash can and beating kids with a desk. And right. so, you know, he he would be in the corner, maybe not learning the way he needed to learn or not. But the teachers couldn't didn't have the uh, the energy, the resources to really. He kind of s- took a deep breath because he was there and quiet is what it was. Right. <laughs> At uh, least in kindergarten. Yeah. He, yeah. He learned different and as he moved through. But, so middle yeah. school, uh, he, middle school, his anxiety started presenting in a little bit of different way. So he would, <laughs> he might get up and sharpen a pencil, like teacher's talking and he's getting, getting, getting nervous or a test is starting. So he gets up and sharpen the pencil and he'd get a sit back down. You're not in your seat. Mm. Uh, and he might then laugh and while well, you're being disrespectful, go to the principal's office. And but talking to other parents, I saw like, wow, Gabe's kind of getting in trouble for stuff. And your kids aren't like there'd, there'd be a group of boys that would do something, him included. And the he would get in trouble and the white boy wouldn't. Ah. Um, in fact, the white boys were sometimes doing much more disruptive things. And we're just getting an oh, yeah, well, boys, 12 year old boys are hard uh-huh. to you know, it's hard to maintain their attention. And then Gabe would do something, and it would be, it would be, nope, you're out of class. Um, so that so there was definitely, hmm. definitely stuff going on with race for him, um, and he would hang out, and and at that point he started then gravity. He's like, well, you're calling me a troublemaker, so he started hanging out with kids who were more more significant troublemakers, yeah. which worried me. Um, and midway through the year, I had, I knew that they had a program in place for kids. Uh, it's called AVID. It's a college prep program for kids who would not normally be on the college prep. Because you have you have kids like my oldest daughter who are, uh, they're the learners that the system is made they teach for. Themselves, they, yeah. they teach themselves. I used to say she, could, she, could, she could teach yeah. herself out of a paper bag. Like you just, you put her alone in a room, she'll learn stuff. She's And so she was the, you know, good student, motivated. You didn't need, oldest. teachers loved her. Mm-hmm. Oldest, mm-hmm. Old, typical oldest child. And teachers would be like, oh, look, we're such good teachers because she's doing, you know, we're teaching her so well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's lovely. So it really, the system worked really, really well for her. Um, and for Gabe, he was not 
his needs were different and the system the classroom management systems didn't seem to meet again either he was quiet and being not seen or when his anxiety caused him to be a little disruptive then he would get in trouble and um and so I said, there's this program in place for kids, kind of like the BC students who uh, aren't the super duper students on their own, but this will give them organizational strategies. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole thing starting in sixth grade up through high school for a college prep program. And I had heard about it. And for years, I had thought that is going to that would be a perfect opportunity for Gabe because that smaller attention, the organizational skill training, as well as subject skill training, it would really Mm -hmm. perfectly be for him and I had talked with him about that like for a year beforehand just saying oh when they start talking about AVID let me know because I'll be and I told the social worker started the school year oh I'm so excited about AVID and he comes home one day and he's like yeah I didn't get invited to AVID and I'm like what do you mean you didn't get invited he's like well yeah they called all these kids names and they all went off to the meeting for AVID and I didn't get called and I said, oh, so I called the social worker and I said, I'm a little confused because we had talked earlier in the year about how this program might give him a lot of support. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, his grades are too low for uh. for that program. And I remember sitting with the principal, then I believe I moved from the social worker to the principal and said, so help me understand this. You have the the students who are already A students who don't need the support. Mm -hmm. Um, You have what I thought was for the kids who needed support in extra ways, which was AVID, but you're telling me his grades are too, because his grades are C's and D's instead of A's and B's, he's too, he's not got a good grade point average. Like the whole point of the program is to help kids elevate their, and she's like, oh no, no, you have, in order to succeed in the program, you really have to have a minimum uh, to be able to show a minimum level of achievement. Uh-huh. And I said, okay, so if those are the, if the top kids are okay and this next kids who meet your standard of achievement get avid, what's the program in place that would be appropriate for Gabe? And she's like, well, most of those kids have IEPs, which uh, is the indivi- IEPs. Individualized Education Protocol, which is Their own special education. Special education for learning disabilities or some other sort of behavioral special needs. It's special education kids. And I said, he doesn't have an IEP. I had tried. He has, I know that he has some learning, something's going on with his learning processing, but the whole nother discussion, they, they, (laughs) the evaluation systems available in the school did not show that he met their requirements and their needs. This is also a different conversation about the benefits of a small private school that is loaded with many, many teachers who really, really are good at seeing each student individually, strengths and And weaknesses, learning styles. They have the money. They have the time. They have the support. That's a totally different conversation. Right. Right. But the gift then to him and to Briseida was to be seen Yep. And supported right. for those middle years before going into right. high school. Did you guys have any other biases that you saw in high school or was it mostly in middle school that you saw him? For um for either. For either. Well, for um certainly Brisada's been um she still gets mistaken and for black she gets taken as black for by both teachers and peers does she Um, care she doesn't 
care. It's uh, as she grows up, her sense of identity, whole different podcast for you to have with her. Um, because for, for many kids adopted transracially, I'll put my adoption educator hat on for a moment. Please do. Um, for many kids, being ra- if, if you're a child of color being raised by white parents, uh, your sense of self, the sense of self that develops in adolescence, particularly with respect to race, racial identity and kind of cultural identity, mm-hmm. is uh, it's, a, it's a more challenging path because often kids raised in white families are surrounded by mainly white culture unless you're living i i for example i'm not living in a primarily latino neighborhood mm-hmm. um we we do s- some things relating to her to the kids culture but it's not like we are immersed in it um and so basically the kids have grown up in a white household mm-hmm. with white parents in a white culture and kids often then when they are in elementary school and middle school they often feel white like well i'm really white and it's society around them that's like, um, no, you're not. <laughs> and Briseida actually has said, she's now a senior in high school. She's wrapping up high school, starting some college classes. Um, and even recently, she has said stuff like, well, I'm really white. Mm. And I'm like, well, we, you know, let's, can we talk about that? Like, you might feel, I totally get that you might feel white because, and she's like, yeah, because I grew up with you guys. We're right. a, like, we're a white family. I'm basically white. Mm-hmm. And that that indicates for her there's elements of how she views herself where she's kind of white. Yeah. But she also, she said she's going to get hair extensions to celebrate her ethnic side. And I said, which ethnicity would that, would that be your black ethnicity that we're maybe the way you could, you're being perceived or you're being per- perceived. Yeah. And maybe she is partly black. Maybe she is uh, biracial because we don't know her birth family. And that's true for all we know, she is biracial, but, uh, but she's certainly perceived as black. And so in some ways, she's black, and she's gone through phases like that too mm. to say you don't understand because you're not black, mom, and I'm black, huh. and it's like, well, kinda like, and so for her, the issue of identity, uh, certainly genetically, ancestrally, she's Latina. There's no question about that. She might also genetically, ancestrally, be black or have African heritage. Um, we don't know that, and it nece- doesn't necessarily matter because socially she's perceived to be biracial, and yet in the home environment she's white. So she has a mix, and that's going to shift. It's shifted over over time, day to day. I think, and often for many kids adopted transracially, that process takes them through adulthood. The idea of I feel white, but wait, I'm not white. But wait, people perceive me, and I'm they can be surprised looking in the mirror and seeing somebody who's not white can be like a, a, a surprise, a shock because they feel white inside. Well, I imagine too the, as you're in the middle school years of trying to understand who you are, what's your identity and you're identifying as white because your birth family is white, suburban living in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And then to get this letter that says, you're black. Right. And to sort of, I imagine that would be like a slap in the face of this is how the world perceives you, whether mm-hmm. you know it or not. Yeah. So, well, and a, a, get used to that. And you- what? And, and like <laughs> in the meantime, trying to process, yeah. Um, I have boobs now. And yeah. also, 
was it what like and armpit she, hair and what's going on i thought i was white and you're telling yeah. me i'm not even guatemalan i'm well, black and, now and what's well, and, going on and for peers too she she hasn't talked with me about it but i wouldn't be surprised often the dynamics among she seems to have been pretty readily accepted among groups of black girls so like mm-hmm. they're all hanging out and they might be mad at her and call her the n-word on social media mm. like so she's had to deal sort of with challenges that black or biracial kids face with respect to peers but sometimes you can even get the well you're not really black uh, you have the white kids who are like well you're not white look you're you're latin you're biracial mm-hmm. or or black or latina and then you have the latinas who are like you don't speak spanish you're not latina you're mm. black and then you have the black kids who are like well you're not really black you, yeah it can be they don't belong anywhere because they could belong everywhere and yeah biracial kids born to in born into their biological families can experience some of that too the straddling two worlds the not fitting in not being accepted into either one um Briseida hasn't expressed that much of that but I wouldn't doubt that that could be an, an aspect of it but I was going to say in terms of the middle school she got the letter but last year it was junior year of high school she got another letter hmm. she sent home the social worker sent home sent home a sheet of paper or, or I got an email about it maybe both uh inviting her to the the it was like it was like take pride like black black girl club at the at the bigger high school she's at an alternative school that's slightly much smaller right next to the big high school but you can do clubs at either at either one and so there was like a black and it was like a motivating you know take charge empower black girl empower black girl group yeah and and I'm looking at it I'm like Briseida she's like I got it from the social worker like oh. the social worker whose office she is in three times a week who, for the last three years for the last three years so she this social worker knows us deeply yeah i have no idea how the social worker thought she was black thought she was black enough to join the black student group because i asked Briseida, i said just like in middle school, do they really need mean brown? Like maybe they mean girls of color because yeah. if it's girls of color, yeah, African American, no girls of color, yeah, right. And Briseida's like, no, it's like black girls. It's African American, African American. Hmm. And I just and I called the social worker, explaining, thank you so much for the invitation. Um, Briseida's not black. Yes, and got back. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I can't believe. Like she was mortified. As she should Does be. she did she know she she she, sh- she didn't she didn't ever say I didn't know it was I don't know maybe she was busy and she didn't think about it as she was flinging out papers to people like I it hmm. even if she knew it clearly the surface of her head wasn't oh Mercedes Latina the surface of her, you know the the she would if she thought about it, she would realize Briseida wasn't black. But the default of, here, take this sheet of paper because yeah. it applies to you, hmm. was Briseida's black. Wow. And that's after three years of intensively oh knowing. Together. Every yeah. day. Every, every every day. they would Three say, times a day. No, I, I mean, seriously. No. It, it, this, yeah, I know. They were in each other's... They were... Uh, so the system continues to not see... Well, on the one hand, it sees them because... That's the way peers are treating her. Mm-hmm. But for the adults in a system who are supposed to be shepherding kids through seeing who they are and what their talents are 
and what their skills are and what their needs are for the adults to not and what bother their con- what their context is and what their context yeah. is for the adults to not recognize to not see her because for example adoption related stuff tra- early trauma early loss related stuff That's massive massive and absolutely applicable so if there's an adoption related group absolutely mm-hmm. pull her in if there's a, a a, a DBT, a dialectical behavioral therapy group that you're pulling in kids for better decision making, particularly geared towards kids with Brisetta's background, absolutely pull her in. To give her the support she needs, you need to know who she is. Yeah. And the constant reminders that the teachers don't know who she is Ugh. is uh, very frustrating. And these are good teachers. Loving teachers working yes. very, very hard. Um mm-hmm. It's with kids who have a lot of challenges emotionally and cognitively. Well, and I do think too that as um, the experience of the experience of we three here at the table are all white. Yeah. Mom, you know, my mom, my sister, and me. We're all white. We grew up uh, experiencing educational systems as white, white, mm-hmm. and and basically in power. I mean, we're women, but we're also very smart women. We're strong <laughs> so women. <laughs> strong, we are strong women, smart women. We navigated the system very yeah. well and had the advantage of being white behind us, but we never probably realized to what extent being white eased the way for us. Mm-hmm. And I think if you included uh, people of color, women, men of color in this conversation, a lot of what I'm just shocked that the, that my kids experienced that I'm shocked that the system didn't treat my kids with seeing them who they are and igno- and I think people of color would be like, uh, yeah, that's right. the way it is right. because that is their lived experience. Right. And so it's, I think, uh, a benefit of mine when I'm working with families who are th- considering adopting transracially is I say it's it's actually a, it's a gift for me to point out to you that you don't know what's going to go on like you yeah. that and you either need to open you you at least need to the idea of oh well i i don't see you as black i see you as my child well yes very true but you but have if to you don't see, see me as black you don't see me Dad, but you have to but it, it is yeah. a part of who they are and yeah. to think because i used to very rarely i would get a parent who was like well it shouldn't matter what their background is or what they look like it's i'm gonna love them no matter what and i'm like absolutely but if you think that a black boy going through school in Madison is going to have the same experience as a white boy going through school in Madison. You are not going to happen. You are wrong. And you need to be, if you ignore that it's an issue, if you ignore Mm -hmm. that whole aspect because it makes you uncomfortable, you are not going to be able to serve the needs of that child. So, and then you also have to then come to terms with the society you live in is biased, right? Heavily biased. Right. You probably haven't noticed Right. right. Because you've been on the other side. Right. But if you have a child of color, you're yeah. going to notice. You're going to notice. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're still going to not notice. In and there's going to be. You're still going to say things or do things that to that child is evidence that you consistently it isn't ingrained because mm-hmm. it hasn't been lived. It's being right. learned. It's not something we lived with since birth. So part of it is. We are idiots when it yeah. comes to. Yes. yes, oh, yes. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And we need Total to. Total We can't say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it enough. Right. Because it, it can come out in, in any way, shape, or form with, without intention, but with um, entitlement. That's right. That's how we privilege. live. Well, it's and, privilege. Yeah. And the privilege, some parents, uh, when your child is with you, when my kids are with me, 
uh, I call it the umbrella of privilege that they're under ah. my umbrella. And so when people, especially when they're babies, when they're with me, That's maybe some, topic. maybe somebody mm-hmm. would come up and touch their hair, <laughs> which is sort of like, yeah. wait, that doesn't yeah. usually happen mm-hmm. for people who are privileged and under this umbrella. Yeah. But the kids experience the, the, they experience it fully when they're not with me. So the things that I see are only a very small, small section of, of what they experience. What they experience, yeah. and they won't always share it with me because uh, they don't want to hurt my feelings. I won't get it. I'm a, you know, yeah. you don't share stuff with mom. You just yeah. And so, but recognizing that because a lot of times parents look like I've never seen any problems. So I don't. I and I'm like that's because when they're with you, they're they don't have them. They're under they your umbrella. They're under your umbrella. <laughs> yeah. They're not. You're not going to be followed around a store thinking that they're shoplifters when they're with you. Yeah. But when they're alone, that's happened to both Gabe and Brisada. They've been both, Brisada in particular, has been followed around in stores by mm-hmm. employees thinking that she's uh, going to steal something. Um, and Gabe has been not, well, he was parked in a car with a friend and had a policeman come up and question them. They've then, both had interactions yeah. with, uh, with systems, people in power that are affected by their being of color. <laughs> 